And it says this, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. I got to preach, but I got to read this. It's nothing to do with my message. But Caleb said, hey, here's the promised land. Let's go take possession. Here's what that means for me, that even though God's promised me something, I still have to take hold of it. That it's not just gonna fall in my lap because he's promised it, but I actually have to go take it. Caleb said, this is the land that God's promised us. Let's take possession. He said, for we are well able to overcome it. I'm feeling old school destiny, church, come on. Can somebody say, I am well? <sighs> There's nobody there. Can you please say, I am well able. I am well able. We're well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up from him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, that you do have the whole world in your hand. God, you're in control. God, you're not worried. You're not anxious. God, you know what you're doing. God, even though we don't know what you're doing, we're making a decision. We're going to trust you. We're going to put our hope, we're going to put our faith, we're going to lock our eyes on you. Speak to us in this moment. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Y'all ready to preach? If you're ready to preach, throw in that comment section. Somebody say amen, 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 amen. Share this with somebody. I'm telling you, God has a word for you today. We're jumping into part two of our series, Into the Unknown, Into the Unknown, talking about how do I survive? How do I cope? How do I keep from losing my mind when I don't know what's next? I don't know what's coming. I don't know what we're walking into. I want to preach a message today called Shaped, Not Scarred. Shaped, Not Scarred. And, and here's the kind of the mindset of the heart behind this message that all of us are going to encounter seasons, situations, circumstances in our life that are challenging, that have the potential to either shape us or scar us. If you just think about America, which is where we are. I know there's people that are tuning in from all over South Africa and New Zealand and Kiwis and you know all these different types of people. But here in the States, we've had a few major like national challenges that we faced just in my lifetime. I'm thinking back just over maybe the last you know 50, 60 years. We had the 08 housing crisis where the economy just took a major dive and impacted so many people. We had Katrina uh, that took place. I believe that was uh, oh, 0405, because I remember as a freshman in college, I actually went down 
uh, three months after Katrina hit and was helping people clean out their homes and all that other kind of stuff. There was 9-11 that, I mean, talking about a, a country-shaping event. Do y'all remember before 9-11 where you could walk right up to the gate if you're like at the airport and see your loved ones come like right off the plane now? You gotta go through TSA and you're, you know, miles away waiting for them to get off. But there was Katrina. I wasn't really alive or coherent during the Vietnam War, but you're Vietnam and World War II and World War I and there's just these events, these challenges that we faced as a nation that have played a part in shaping who we are. If you've ever been around somebody who was either alive or born soon after the Great Depression, you can see how a national event can, can truly shape somebody. If you've never been around somebody that, that was alive or, 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 or born soon after the Great Depression, you're, you're, you're robbing yourself of an experience. You need to get around somebody that was alive, born 1933, 1929. Some, you are going to learn stewardship on an another type of letter. You are going to learn frugality on another type of level. You're going to learn discipline on another type of level. People who lived through that depression, it just shaped who they are. One of the things I realized is you're going to learn how to eat chicken too. People who have lived through the Great Depression eat chicken a way that the rest of us just don't eat chicken. I thought the way you eat chicken is you grab the bone, you eat all the meat off the bone, and then you're done. It's not till you get around grandma or grandpa or somebody that says when the meat's gone, you've just begun. You haven't eaten that chicken until you crack the chicken, you suck the bone marrow out the chicken, and then you crunch the bones in your mouth. Then you got to eat all the gristle off the top. And by the time that chicken is done, you have decimated that piece of chicken. That's when you know, who knew? But someone taught me that is how you eat chicken. And here's why. Because they went through a challenge in their life that shaped them. Maybe you faced challenges in your life that weren't national challenges like this pandemic was, but it was a personal challenge, like a job loss. Maybe you've been through a broken relationship or a broken heart or a health crisis or whatever it may be. All of us face challenges. Here's the problem. Every challenge has the potential to either shape you or scar you. In this passage that we read, we find the children of Israel who had been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. God had finally rescued them. He sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt. If you remember the story, they went through the Red Sea, the water parted, they got to the other side and it closed in over the Egyptian army and they were rescued from the challenge that they had known for generations and generations and generations. They spent about two and a half years in the wilderness, in the unknown. And I just want to clarify that this is not a prophetic message for what we're going through right now. So we will not be in our houses for two and a half years. I'm going for another two and a half weeks. Jesus, help get us out. But two and a half years, they were in the wilderness and they came right to the edge of breaking into the promise that God had for them. They said, here, here is the land that I've called you to. And they took 12 spies and they sent the spies into the land and go see if it's what God promised us. And when they get back from spying out the land, two spies, Caleb and Joshua said, we are well able, we can take the land. This is what God promised us. But 10 of the spies said, no, 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 we're not able. We looked at that land, and that's the type of land that opens up and engulfs and devours. Have you? Yeah, it is Bible. I was going to say, have you ever seen land open up and eat people? 
but that actually did happen in Scripture. So maybe they had a point there. They said, this is a land that devours people. They said, we saw the people there. They are giants. We are not able to defeat them. And watch this. We are grasshoppers in our own eyes and in their eyes as well. Well, here's the reality. God had given them the land. And because they decided that they weren't able to take it, God says, fine, you're going to stay outside of the land and I'll give the land to your children. And guess what? Their children took the land, which means everything that they thought, everything that they saw about the land, it was not true. They were able to take it. But watch this. Because they were scarred from the tragedy they had gone through, because they didn't just go through slavery, but slavery stayed in them. Because they didn't just go through that challenge, but that challenge defined them, they ended up missing out on what God had for them on the other side. I don't know when we're going to get out of our houses, but I know we're going to get out. I don't know when they're going to figure out a cure or a vaccine or whatever it may be, but I know they're going to figure it out. And here's what I know, that some people are going to have passed through this pandemic and you're going to be stronger. You're going to be shaped as a result of it on the other side. But some people are going to pass through. And even though the pandemic is over around you, there will never stop being a pandemic inside of you because you were scarred by the season that we're walking through right now. So whether it's this pandemic, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a, a health concern, abuse, or whatever it may be, I want to give you just three thoughts of how do I pass through something, through a challenge, through a tragedy, and allow it to shape me but not scar me. And I'll just jump to the end of the message. Whether you're shaped or whether you're scarred is all based on your perspective, how you view the season you went through. Some people are going to come out of this pandemic and based on their vantage point, they're gonna be paranoid for the rest of their life. You are gonna have the mindset that death is just waiting for me around every corner. You, you ain't coming up my house, I'm peeking to the left, but what are you looking for? I'm looking for a virus. Can you see a virus? I don't know, but I'm looking, because you don't, they're just gonna have this paranoia of it's just a matter of time before something that's trying to kill me comes for me. By the way, this is gonna sound weird, and I gotta say this very carefully. Do you know we're no more in danger now than we were before coronavirus? Nothing has changed about the world because the coronavirus is, 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 is here except this one thing. We are now aware of how unsafe we always were. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Oh, we're more unsafe now than we were. No, no, no. We're just aware that we were never safe. <laughs> we were just oblivious and naive to what could happen. And now we've seen the reality of what can happen. But some people are going to take the vantage point of, I'm never going to be safe. And they're going to be paranoid for the rest of their life, even after this pandemic blows over. Other people are going to take the vantage point of, yes, that was bad. And I'm going to allow it to shape me, but it's not going to scar me. What does it look like to be shaped? by the season. Well, I'll tell you right now, Sierra, I ain't never not going to have savings again. <laughs> if they try to lock me in my house and let me not work, I'm going to make sure I got savings. I'm going to make sure that I've built a solid foundation relationally, spiritually, financially. I'm going to be ready for whatever comes, but I'm not going to stay up all night waiting for it to come. I'm going to become more wise as a result of it but I'm not gonna allow it to trap me in a dungeon of lifetime fear and paranoia. That's, that's my heart for you. 
that we come through this, that God covers us. If you are battling this sickness right now, hear me, God is able to heal. If you're healthy, God is able to cover. God is able to protect. We will get through this. Here's my heart. My heart is that when we get through this, that you don't take the trauma from it into the rest of your life. I'm gonna give you three things, three quick things to, to jot down. If you love Jesus, um, write this down. If you, if you don't, uh, love Jesus, yeah, uh, you know the drill. Write it down. The, the first thing is this. If, if you're going to go through a challenge, whatever challenge it is, and, and, and be shaped by it but not scarred, you're going to have to make the decision that I am going to be grounded. You're going to have to decide to be grounded. There's different challenges that we face in our lives that can shake us. One of, one of the challenges that you can face in your life is loss. The loss of a loved one has a way of just shaking you and bringing trauma that you didn't see coming or weren't prepared for. Maybe the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship. Loss just has a way of rocking your world. I remember when my mom passed away, the only way I can describe it is it's like getting punched in the stomach. You're trying to breathe, all of your breath is gone. You're just like, what is life gonna look like? What reality am I gonna be dealing with on the other side of this? A loss is a challenge, is a trauma that you can face. Another challenge that we can face is just not knowing or not expecting, being blindsided. You, you could be blindsided by somebody else's actions. You could be blindsided by somebody walking out of your life. You could be blindsided by a pandemic, by, by society just shifting. There's so many things that can blindside us and just leave us in a traumatized or a, a challenged state. Another way that, that you can face a trauma or a challenge, this is going to sound a little different, but, but by having unrealistic expectations of yourself or having other people in your life that have unrealistic expectations of yourself. For some people, they have this expectation that I'm gonna be perfect, that, that I'm, never gonna, I'm never gonna hurt anybody in my life. I'm never gonna let anybody down. I'm never gonna make a mistake. I'm never gonna do this, I'm never gonna do that. Here's the problem with expecting perfection out of yourself that you are not perfect. You are going to mess up. You're gonna fail at some point. And, and if you expect perfection out of yourself or there's important people in your life that expect perfection out of you, when you do fail, and I said when, not if, because it's coming, you're not gonna be able to deal with that trauma of I did not meet my own expectation. And when that moment comes, when that challenge comes, when that crisis comes, you're going to have to make a decision that I am going to remain grounded in the midst of this. What does it mean to be grounded? Here's what grounded means. Grounded means that I am committed to what God says about me and what God says about this situation above and beyond my feelings my sight or my circumstances, I am going to be anchored in Christ. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And watch this. It did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Being grounded means I am gonna be founded on what God says about me 
and who God says I am more so than what anything else around me says. Here, here's what happened to Israel. They had heard that they were nothing for over 400 years. They had been told, you're a slave, you're property, you have no value, we own you, there's nothing to you. They had heard it for so many years that when they broke out of that slavery, they were still hearing the words of, you're nothing. And when they stepped up to the point of the promise that God had for them, they were standing in front of their blessing and they couldn't take hold of it because the echo of their trauma was ruling out the voice of God in their life. We have to make a decision that God, I'm not gonna allow my trauma to ring higher or louder than what your word says. Now you may be saying, Pastor, that's good preaching, but that's not good living. Like if you know what I've been through, if you know what I've experienced, if you know how loud I hear it echoing that you're nothing or you're not going to accomplish anything or whatever it may be. And that's why being grounded isn't easy. Being grounded is not for the weak. Being grounded is not for, I, I have, me and my wife, we live, we live in Narnia. I mean, it's out in the woods. Every time I'm driving up to my house, I'm on the phone with somebody, and as soon as I get on the street to my house, the cell phone service drops. Like, we are just out in the country, Green Acres, right? And there's these, I mean, I, I, I'm going to guess at least three-story tall oak trees surrounding our house. You know, I'm, I'm a little nervous because we've had all this wind going on. We haven't had the tornadoes like they've had in Tennessee, and we're praying for you, so many friends in Tennessee. But it's just been a lot of wind, and them, them trees are just, they're just going back and forth. As soon as the wind starts, I, I go out on my porch. It's not really bright, right? You probably shouldn't be outside when the wind's, but I'm just like, if this thing falls on my house, I'm going to fight this tree. I don't know how you fight a tree, but I'm going to fight this tree. And it's amazing to see. I mean, three-story tall trees, and they're just bending and bending, but they're not breaking. They are anchored. They are grounded. And when that storm came, that's a word. Some of us are bending. It's okay to bend. Just don't break. I'm stressed out. I'm full of anxiety. Here's what you need to do. Come on, mom. Go in your closet and have you a good cry. Don't let the kids see it. it that, that just sets somebody free right now. You need to go and just have you a good cry. I am overwhelmed. I am stressed. You can bend, just don't break. Now, now men don't cry. So what are we going to do, Corey? We're going to go out in the backyard and just yell, just punch a tree or something like that. I was talking to a pastor that says it's all right to punch things if you're angry. Not people, not people, but like, I don't, I don't know if I agree. Uh, <laughs> I got in trouble growing up putting holes in the wall, so I'm going to stop doing that. But I mean, I don't know how you need to just let out. I'm, I'm, I'm stri- it's all right to be anxious. It's all right to be stressed. It's all right to be overwhelmed. You're bending. Just make a decision. I'm not going to break. I am grounded. Why? Because my emotions do not dictate my life. My eyes don't dictate my life. The Word of God and His presence dictates my life. I'll tell you right now, every time you turn the news on, it's just like, oh! I mean, there's so much that is going to be shouting in your ear that you are not okay. And you're going to have to be great. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 91 verse 11. For he will order his angels to protect you 
wherever you go. They will hold you up even with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I, I was talking to somebody who uh, just was in a, a, a car accident and they were, they were driving and, and, and somebody sideswiped them. They were on the highway and, and they were just telling me I was just bugging out and the car spun and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm listening to them and I'm talking to them. I'm, I'm actually looking at them on the other side of the camera right now. But uh, I looked at them and they're telling me about it but they looked fine. I mean, no blood, no scratch, no bruises. And they're just like, it was just crazy. And I'm just like, man, you look okay. Are you okay? Like, I'm okay. How's the car? I'm sure the car is totaled. They're like, actually, you know, it's a couple dented or whatever. It's, it's not totaled though. And I, I, it must've been God. I wasn't even thinking. I said, you've got some angels around you because there is no way you should be able to walk away from that unscraped, unscathed. Listen to me, you have to understand what God's word says. His word says, I'm never in it by myself, that he's actually commanded his angels around me. They're guarding me, they're leading me, they are walking with me. So no matter what I feel, no matter what I hear, I will be anchored in what God said. And can I give you some tips on how to be anchored? The first tip is this, and I kind of give you the right. You need to know God's word. If you don't know God's word, the, the Bible said this. The Bible says God's word is like a seed that a sower sows on gravel, and, and some deep seed goes deep and it grows up, and, and some seed it's plucked up by the stresses and the worries of life, and, and oh, some seed is choked out. But, but when you think about the word being a seed, if it goes in the ground, what happens? it grows roots. That's good, I've never preached this before. This is good, a seed grows roots. And the longer that that seed sits there, the deeper the roots go. And the more intricate the root system is, the more grounded it is, and the less likely it is to break when the wind starts blowing. You need God's word in your heart that will ground you. Can I give you something else major? that will keep you grounded? The people that you associate with. Do not expect to be a grounded person when you have people that are not grounded that are confidants in your life. You, you may have heard the story of the redwood trees that are in California, the tallest trees ever. And I mean, the way that they blow in the wind, you would think they come crashing down. But here's the thing, redwoods always grow in groups because their root system under the ground locks together and it keeps them anchored because they're connected to one another. If you wanna be grounded, your crew gotta be grounded. If you wanna be grounded, the people that have your ear must be grounded. Don't expect to be grounded in peace when everybody around you is grounded in anxiety. Don't expect to be grounded in hope when everybody around you is grounded in hopelessness. Here's what God's word said in Psalm 91:11. for he will order his angels. That's the wrong one. Give me Psalm one, verse one, it says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? Blessed is a person that does not let people who are not grounded in God's word speak into their lives. It's a blessed man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water 
that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. God says, here's how you stay grounded. Check your circle and stay in my word. Check your circle and stay in my word. Make sure the people around you are anchored, are grounded. What, what, is, what does that look like? That means that if my family, oh, did you just say family? Yes, I just say family. That means if my family decides that they just want to surrender to anxiety and fear and paranoia, I'm not going to stop loving them. I'm not going to stop being there for them, but they're not going to have influence in my life. That may mean you got to turn the TV off, Sierra. Stop watching all these news. Can't get in trouble for a second. Y'all understand fear makes money, right? That the more fear I sell, the more times people are going to watch it, the more commercials I can sell. I'm telling you, you got to make a decision to guard your heart from associating with things that are not grounded in God's word. Now, here's what normally happens when, when, when people hear preaching. They're like, oh, Christians are foolish. They, they oh, God's going to cover me. God's going to protect me. And, and they're just all trusting in God and, and they're living reckless lives. No, 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 no. Hear me. I'm not saying don't be wise. I'm not saying don't, don't be prudent. I'm not saying don't guard your heart and guard your mind and, and wash your hands and wear a mask and all that other good stuff. But I'm not going based on what I'm hearing from everybody else. I'm going based on the truth of God's word. I've decided to be grounded. The next thing is this. Don't let the challenge change you. If you're going to be shaped but not scarred, you have to make a decision. I'm not going to allow that challenge to change me. Here's what happens. We go through a challenge. We go through a crisis. We go through a trauma. And because we've gone through that trauma, we begin to adapt our lives. We position ourselves to never feel that level of pain again. And without even realizing it, that trauma, that challenge, that crisis, it begins to warp how we see everything. If you ever encounter somebody that has gone through a challenge, gone through a crisis, gone through a trauma, it could be a loved one passing away. It could be a job loss. If they let that challenge scar them, you will see them begin to take everything in life as a personal indictment. They said that they fired me because there were cutbacks, but I think they fired me because they didn't like me. There must be something wrong with me. I must not be as smart as everybody else. I'm not be able to do this or be able to do that. They take it personally. And then here's what happens. They move that trauma from that situation to every area of their life. Man, if I'm not good at that, I must not be good at this. I may not be good at this. Man, I lost my job. It must mean I'm not a great father. It must mean that I can't do this, I can't do that. Next thing you know, that trauma begins to, to bring cancer to every aspect and every area of that person's life. And then all of a sudden, because their perspective is warped, they see that one-time trauma as a lifetime sentence. That, man, I, I don't have hope for anything. I, I can't, it's what the children of Israel did. Because of the trauma of slavery, they took this warped mindset that God never has anything good for me. That I am always going to be in this unknown scenario. You have to make up in your mind that I'm not going to allow that challenge to change me. Pastor, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I love like I've never been hurt before when I have been hurt? 
How, how, how do I risk like I've never failed before when I have failed? And failed royally, by the way, like failed with a capital F, capital A, I, L, E, D, 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 like failed. <laughs> how do I risk when I've fallen before? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God says if you're a Christian, the old things have passed away and all things have become new. Me and my wife, we uh, moved uh, last year. And uh, where we moved to, I said it was in Narnia, but we kind of lived in Narnia already. So it was only about 20 minutes or 15 minutes really from where we lived the first time. And, and for like the first three months after we moved, I would get off on our old exit and turn into our old neighborhood until I realized I don't live here anymore. Like, you, you ever been, uh, every, I don't know why, every time I'm in my car, I'm on the phone. Like, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I don't have any time to do anything else when I go home. Like, if, if the car is the time that I have to talk to people. So I'm on the phone in my car, not really paying attention. And next thing you know, I'll look up, and I'm at my old house instead of at my new house. And I'm saying, like, how in the world did I end up here? Here's why. I'm preaching muscle memory. You've done something one way for so long, you now do it subconsciously. And you turn into your old address, even though that's no longer, you're, I'm having fun right now. So you turn into rejection, even though the old has passed away and all things have become new. And by being a Christian, it means that you have a new address. You turn into anger, you turn into lust, you turn into bitterness, you turn into mistrust. Why? Because you have lived there so long through the challenge, through the trauma, or whatever it may be. You have to accept your new identity as a child of God. So, oh, this, I was paused when I got to figure out how... Uh, if you've been through a challenge, if you've been through a trauma, if you've been through a crisis, you know it's earth-shaking. It's earth-shattering. It's devastating. I've been through some, but not on the level that people have encountered. And I'm telling you, my heart breaks for those of you that have experienced just things that most people could not have survived. And not only did you survive, but you're in your right mind or most of your right mind. You're living life. You're moving forward. You're, you're doing the best that you can. And I get that. And I'm telling you, God is there for you. But sometimes it's this simple. It's as simple as making a decision. I'm not going back there. Being self-aware enough to understand that because of what I've been through, this is how I normally respond in that scenario, and I'm not going to do that anymore. When somebody makes me feel like a failure, I respond with anger. So when I feel that feeling of failure coming on me, I'm gonna pause. I don't quite know what to do, but I'm not turning down that street of anger anymore because I don't live there anymore. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what it means to be a Christian. Not just that God's forgiven me, forgotten about my sin, wink, wink at my old life. No, 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 no. It's that God has done away with everything that I used to be and that he's made me a new person. And I could just hear somebody screaming at me through the computer, pastor, that's great, but I failed after I became a Christian. After he made me a new creation. I don't know, I just feel like God makes us a new creation every single day. Because the Bible says in Romans that we lay our life down as a living sacrifice, a daily sacrifice. His mercies are new every single morning. I don't care if that failure was five minutes ago. The second you bring it to Jesus, he removes it as far as the east is from the west. That is no longer who you are. You got to make a decision that's not who I am. So I'm not turning down that street. Sierra, how real can I get? Can I get like real, 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 real? You know what people don't often think about when they think about pastors? They don't think about how hurt pastors get. How you, you visit people in the hospital, you're there for their crisis, you're, you're investing in them, you're loving on them, and the second you say something they don't like, you do something they don't like, or I just get a job in another town. See you. Thanks, I'm out. And when that many people leave your life over and over and over again, pastor, are you venting? Can I be honest for a second? I'm a pastor's son. So this isn't just like eight years of ministry and I'm scarred after eight years. This is from 13 to 33. This is the last 20 years of my life. I've seen my dad and myself invest in people and they take, 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 and leave, 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 and all that stuff. And some leave well. A lot don't. <laughs> they leave with their mouth. Well, I mean, I stay out of trouble. And here's what I'm very intentional about doing. Making a decision that I'm not going to treat the next person based on the pain from the last person. And Stephen, you can figure out how you want to. It's a very intentional decision. God has me. He's in control. He's guarding my heart. He's guarding my mind. He's in control. So God, I'm not going to drag the baggage of yesterday into the promise that you have for tomorrow. Ah, I'm, I'm there already, so can I just say it? Some of us have to make a decision. We're not going to treat the next wife like we treated the last wife. Uh-oh. I'm not going to mistrust the next husband because the last one broke my heart. I'm gonna make a decision. Pastor, wait, are you talking to this? Can I, can I have a next? <laughs> if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. I've repented, I've laid that before God. But I'm, God can heal, he can move supernaturally, but I'm talking about a decision right now that I'm not gonna allow the trauma I've been through to change who I am. Last thing is this, you can write this down, you can play, we gonna land this plane. Here's an important one. Finally, I need to learn from the challenge and adapt. I need to learn from the challenge 
and adapt. So watch this. The goal is to be shaped, not scarred. Well, what does that mean? That means that I would be a fool if I went through a challenge, went through a trauma, and kept doing life the same way. So many people keep on saying, I can't wait till we get out of these houses, till we get over this pandemic, so life can get back to the way that it used to be. I got some news for you, boo-boo. We ain't going back. I think March 11th is when they locked us up. We getting out whenever we getting out. And March 11th, 2020, ain't never coming back around. It's in the past. We're not going back to who we used to be. There's certain things through this season that God is trying to teach us. And if I'd be honest with you, it was only till about two weeks ago where I finally stopped enough to say, God, what are you trying to change in me through this season? God, what are you trying to develop me? What are you trying to teach me? God, how are you shaping me? Hear me, God is shaping you through this challenge. God is shaping you through this season. I've, I've said this before. I would not wish the loss of a parent on anybody. It is probably one of the most, if not the most difficult seasons I've ever been through. And if you've lost a parent, you know it's, it's a lot. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But can I tell you that has shaped me? One way it shaped me is I value relationships a whole lot more than I used to. Because before going through that, I used to think that relationships would be around forever. And now I realize that tomorrow's not promised to anybody. So I'm not gonna wait till next week to say I love you. I'm, I'm gonna say it right now. Another way that it shaped me, it's given me a compassion for people who are hurting. I'm a very systematic, you know, cut and dry, get it done, let's move on. You know, if your heart is broken, great. We'll go down to Lowe's, buy you a ladder so you can get over it. That's kind of how I've been wired. But when I went through that trauma myself, it literally, it broke my heart, but in a good way. Where I'm able now to have empathy and compassion for people that are going through a challenge. Listen, how is God trying to shape you during the challenge that we're going through? And I don't know about you, I keep on talking to y'all because y'all are my, my amen corner. I spend, I, I wonder if I could shorten the challenges that I go through. Because normally when I go through a challenge, I spend the first four weeks complaining. Why me? Why am I going through this? Why I gotta do this? Why I gotta do that? Why this? Why that? Why this? God, where are you? And it's not until after about four weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if you have, this is just me because I have little brothers. It's like you're bitten up your little brother and you got him pinned to the ground. And he's falling and punching and scratching. I'm not going to let you up until you stop. And they're just, and it's like, when you just stop, I'll let you go. They finally stop and you're like, okay. I feel like the first four weeks of this challenge, a lot of us, but God, how could you? I don't want to. I don't just stop. He's in control. And let's switch it from God, not how could you. But God, how are you going to use this? How are you going to shape me? How are you gonna make me stronger, wiser, better? Proverbs 8.11 says this, for wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell 
with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Here's what Solomon was saying. He was saying wisdom can be found through every challenge, through every crisis, through every trauma. It can be found through everything that you're going through. And God doesn't just want to get you through it. He wants to make you stronger, better, full of more faith. He wants to shape you through this season. So I'm making a decision. I'm going to be grounded. I'm not going to allow this trauma to change me in a negative way. But I am going to allow God to shape me through this. And I'm telling you, if you would turn your heart to God, are you making me more patient? Are you building my faith? Are you removing insecurity? Are you making me more confident in myself and who you are in me? God, how are you shaping me through this? If we would learn to take that perspective of being shaped and not scarred, what the enemy meant for evil, God's gonna turn it out for your best good. Not that you wanna go through it again. He's gonna make it into a situation where you're able to say, that made me, that made me who I am in a good way. And I'm able to step into every promise that God has for me because he brought me through that storm. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, that you don't send us through storms. God, you go through them with us. And God, you don't cause storms in our life, but you sure do use them to make us better. So God, in this moment, we don't surrender to the trauma or the challenge, but we surrender to you. And we say, have your way in our lives, right where you're sitting, whether in your car, your living room or kitchen or whatever. Can you just do me a favor? Can you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time personal to you. For some of you, God is supernaturally making you self-aware. He is showing you how some trauma you've been through has scarred you, not just shaped you. He's saying, will you surrender that to me? Some of you viewing, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, ever. You may believe in God. You may go to church when, when the church is open, but in your heart of hearts, you know that God's not in control of my life. I am. The Bible says that if you're in that position and you were to pass away, that you would not spend eternity in heaven with Christ. Because being a believer, being a follower of God is not based on the fact that I say I believe in Jesus. It's based on the fact, have I made him the Lord, the controller? Have I surrendered all I am, scars and all, to him? You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get yourself together. You just have to make your, a decision. God, with myself, I'm not enough. God, but with you, I'm more than enough. Right where you are, if you're saying, I, I want to make that decision. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for wanting me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross, for taking scars on your back so that I can be healed, so that I can be forgiven. Be my Lord and my Savior. Today, I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.